0: You're listening to the Precision Shooting Podcast, discussing all aspects of precision and long range rifle shooting. This episode is brought to you by Impact Dynamics. And now, over to your hosts.
1: Well, hello and welcome to Precision Shooting Podcast. This is episode number 121. 122. Uh, this is moments, uh, moments after 121 was recorded. Uh, just to ruin the uh, the magic of the the theatre and uh, and magic of we podcast. That's what we do. Uh, still with me, Duchy over there. How are you doing? Still going? I'm I'm
0: a little disappointed you didn't say hot vindaloo 122. I'm um,
1: I'm um, okay. Next time we get to we
0: well, asked how I'm going. That's how I'm going. Okay, cool. how oh, I feel?
1: Yeah, fair enough. I need to I need the honest opinions. Good hot vindaloo. What Vindaloo. You? you? disappointed? Uh, no, nah, I'm I'm okay. okay. <laughs> <laughs> Someone's got to be balanced. Yeah, I'm neutral. What have you broken? Where are you on the uh, neutrality scale? I'm
2: disappointed with the company, but it's all good.
1: Yeah, no, fair call. Cool. You gun, get that a lot here, don't you? <laughs> Standard feeling. Good. So uh, in the last episode we talked uh, about some sort of clarification of, uh, of of different scope terminology. And so if you haven't listened to that uh, 121 pre, pre-Vindaloo episode, uh, this is uh, Do you is know what the post-Vindaloo
0: episode is? <laughs> it comes on about 10 I, o'clock tomorrow morning. It involves it? painting a bowl. <laughs> <laughs> fair, fair idea of,
1: uh, of it. Good. Good. Uh, So this is, uh, I highly suggest you listen to that episode, uh, 121, uh, because we go through a bunch of the terminology. And this one is about uh, what scope to buy, basically, the application of that sort of information. So I, you know, my involvement is scoped out, and obviously Paul's previous involvement is scoped out. We get asked a lot, what scope do I buy? And uh, that's, uh, that's not enough information to make that decision because the biggest factor in what scope you should buy uh, is the application you're going to use it for and then there's a little bit of personal preference in there as well. So um, that's where it all comes down to and so I think if you are, you know, if you're posting a Facebook group, we mentioned the new uh, Precision Rifle Australia uh, group, but if you're posting any group or asking questions or going to a gun shop that more refined information about what you are doing with that scope, the better the information is going to be coming back across uh, across to you. Let's kick up a scenario, and we'll go through some of those sort of clarifications of terminology we talked about. I mean, PRS is something we talk about a lot. So let's use that as a first example of a scope that we're going to do. We're going to talk about the the factors that we need to consider for buying a PRS scope. Any thoughts, Bronny? Kick off with, uh, with yourself.
3: Uh, radical selection would probably be pretty damn close to the top of the list for a PRS-style um, scope, something yep. with a, a good holdover reticle. Mm-hmm. Um, justification behind that is some of the PRS skill stages prohibit you from dialing. Um, so if you don't have that ability to have accurate holdovers um, and also, you know, first focal plane goes without saying for that
1: application. Well, let's not let's not go without saying, let's say why. Let's clarify some details on oh. why we would choose first focal plane.
3: Um, so your sub-tensions, your reticle, are correct at any position that you have that. Yeah. Um, Speed. Yeah, well. That's, that's the biggest one. Well, yeah, I mean, if you're going, oh, well, I have to have my fo- scope fixed on 18 power, otherwise my numbers don't line up. Yeah. That's going to be really quite a disadvantage when you're going between a close target and a further target. It's yeah. a Or a couple of close targets. targets. And it'd be even more of a disadvantage when you are trying to get that stupid scope through the little hole that some person thought was a great idea to make you shoot through. And you've now bumped Who would do that, Brian? Now you've bumped the (laughs) magnification, and now you're not actually at (laughs) 18. You're at 16.2, and now you're missing over the top. And you don't know why.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Uh, And certainly I've seen silicon vocal planes used in PRS, and some people can make them work. If you dial them, they'll be fine. It's not great. I mean, uh, Jamie Dennis came. Second in the Monado Meltdown with a second focal plane scope. However, many of the targets on that on that particular course of fire, there was one target, or or they were you know they had enough time to dial the targets. Mm. Therefore, it wasn't such a big deal.
2: I think, in fairness, though, um, if you know your gear and your kit, the sky's the limit. I agree. Yeah. You know, so if you've put hundreds of rounds or thousands of rounds down, it and you know what your scope can do, you know, you know you pick a, a zoom ratio that you're comfortable with because yep. I know that um, whenever I've shot like you know, that kind of style of shooting, yep. I didn't tend to dial that much, you yep. know, sorry. I didn't tend to play with my zoom that much. I tended okay. to keep it on one yep. and then for the longer ones, I just, you know, dial your elevations. And I mean the only time I'd sort of play with the magnification if I really wanted to get, you know, I didn't, but I didn't really play with my field of view, which is mm. a good thing. Mm. Um, but and if, if we, you know your scope, I mean,
1: and and that that's granted for for everything. That's why it's, you know guys can do quite well in a PRS match with a three or eight, for example, or, yeah. or something on those lines. But if we're going to ask the question of what's what we're going to consider, and so so first focal plane, second focal plane, we're going to be favouring first focal plane for the reason that your sub tension is always accurate, uh, yep. no matter what magnification you're on. You're often running at a lower magnification, but no doubt we'll get into that. Radical is really your first preference, Bronte. Yeah,
3: it's got to have a good hold over radical. Um, it's you know, I think Piero's skill stage number four from memory, is it? The one where you're going to go out I don't. I'm six tricks
1: in. I, I couldn't tell you which number it is. Uh,
3: no, it's one of those ones. Now <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, where you've got targets at what, three, four, five, six or whatever it is and out yep. and back That's without right. touching your turrets, if you don't have um, the ability to have accurate holdovers, yep. particularly if it's a windy day, um, mm-hmm. you're potentially in for a, a bit, of, bit of pain. And that's and, and I mean, that's probably you're at a disadvantage, regardless of how familiar you are with the gear, You are at yeah, a disadvantage, you know, disadvantage. given given the same person equally familiar with a scope with a holdover reticle versus someone equally familiar with a scope without it. They're going to do better with a holdover, just mm. purely based on the equipment bias.
1: And and your you know, your tendency is that your your windage is going to be held rather than dialed for yep. a lot of PRS encounters that you will you'll make and therefore having a radical that's true no matter what magnification you're on is uh, very important. Let's talk about magnification because uh, what is your ideal magnification for for PRS?
3: Depends on the stage would be my answer and depends – I mean, I guess in Australia we are – Generally speaking, 600 meters is the, the upper well, limit of it, most it, of Darwin. It, yeah, I was got out say, to further, just, just got but just generally got to 900, generally and, speaking, on steel. We're
1: and we know that Biggerton is out to 720, I okay. believe. So, we, I mean, we're starting to see a growth in that. I suspect maybe next year we may crack the thousand, yeah, that thousand meter mark. Maybe, um, but th- what will happen is it'll go further and further for sure. Mm. But that aside, Paul, Paul was stating he was shooting a mile and 16 power. When yeah. I when I shot my further shots, they were on fourteen power. Yeah. Um, why would that be? Why would you want more like lower magnification for a lot of these longer shots in a PRS style setup? So you can get more
3: holdover in your reticle would be about the only, and finding your target quicker. Yeah. So bigger field of view, but I guess from a PRS standpoint, most of my shooting I'm probably sitting at about sort of. 15 power roughly is about yeah. where it spends most of its time because I find that to be a reasonably good balance. Between you know, if you back it right off to five power, yeah, you'll find the target quickly, but your little reticle's pretty small. Um, and my effective. eyes aren't quite as good as good as I wish they were, so you know, I need a bit, more, a bit more magnification so I can see what I'm shooting at.
1: And you can't see it, you can't hit it. So. I, I do, I do all right with that sometimes, you can't see it, but. Anyway, uh, so the, the, other, the other factor, I mean, sorry, the fact that you talked about is finding the target, which is a big thing because a lot of these stages we use multiple targets. Even transitioning, you've got to go from one to another, back mm. to another, back to another. The, the benefit of being able to see both those targets in your scope at the same time is really beneficial. Oh, absolutely. Uh, really beneficial. And so uh, that, that is very useful. Uh, the, also, the other thing is that uh, unlike sort of F-Class and bench rest, there's no wind flags. There's nothing giving you wind. So you are trying to put everything in your scope uh, and often you're on the clock a lot more. So some... Yeah, you know, in F-class some some scenarios, you can sort of break off the gun and look at the wind flag and then decide to make your call and then and then go for it. Um, same with bench rest, you can be doing that. Whereas uh, PRS, you're generally always going to be looking through that scope as much as you can. So you need a big enough field of view uh, to be able to see what's happening at 200, 400, 800, for example, on the mm. wall again. So you need that ability to be able to see uh, that and therefore you often run a lower magnification. Having said that, a lot of the scopes now or well, a lot of the popularity in those scopes are scopes that have the ability to go to 25, 27, 30, 35 power but will we'll wind back all the way down to 5 to 7 power mm. because you may come up on a stage. For example, the, the stage that the guys shot up uh, in Darwin where they were shooting 900 metres on a fairly F-class standard range. I don't believe they had wind flags but still being able to zoom right in when need be can be really beneficial.
3: Or even the Darwin match that I shot a couple of years ago, they had the dartboard targeted at 100 Mm. metres or something like that.
1: Yeah. And having a
3: scope that cranked that magnification up was a huge advantage because ultimately what you're trying to do is shoot a less, you know, half-inch group was what you're trying to do. Yeah. That was, good, that was a
1: good stage. That was a good stage. Oh, that was
3: a bit of a nervous walk, I reckon, for you, <laughs> Rusty. There,
1: <laughs> I was. I was good on That one, I did real well on that one. You Plenty did. of others didn't. It was a, 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 a it was dart, dartboard sort of rules, and you had a dartboard in front of you. You had to score whatever the goal was to, you know, to 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 hit 500, 201, I 250 I or one, two fifty, or two hundred and one. <laughs> yeah, two hundred and one rings a bell. And so you had to add up your scores. And of course, if you you know pulled the shot to one side, you were uh, you were way off. Mm. And uh, yeah, I think I. I don't remember what I got, but it was it was it was okay. It was okay, so I was happy with that. Anyway, we digress. Or well, more the point, I digressed. Uh, so things like uh, turret styles for PRS type gun, I
3: tend to go for the exposed turret. Would be pretty standard.
1: Paul, any other things you would look for in a uh, in a PRS style scope?
2: Um. No, I think Brondi's got most of it. I mean, the main one is your obviously your reticle first focal plane, like I said. I mean that's it's fast, it's you know, it's mm. instant and it's easy to use. Um yeah, I think uh I like locking turrets myself. Um yep. only for the fact that it is pretty mobile, you mm-hmm. know what I mean? So you can be banging against barricades and whatnot. Um
1: It's not gonna shift. Yeah.
2: Yeah. Illumination's always good. I mean, we shot a comp there and it was bloody
1: dusk. Yeah. Illumination <laughs> is one of those <laughs>
3: uh, from now, basically all my scopes first cycle plane. I would be very hard pressed to buy something that didn't have illumination if I planned on using it for any sort of spotlighting activity. Sure.
1: Yep. Um
3: Illumination never used to use it, but now I'd, couldn't go without it. Fantastic.
1: I, I, I will say, from a PRS point of view, from from the national level matches, matches like the the day will get stopped if light diminishes too far. So it's less of a concern. I know the particular match you're referencing that was a, a private match, and we. Uh, I just had to shoot lights. last. That yeah, was yeah, awesome. yeah. I'm just putting that out there. Right. We didn't have the option to go to the next day, but certainly uh, some of the, the bigger matches will actually the, the the time will get called when it starts diminishing too far. Um, But, yeah, illumination can't hurt at all. Um, One of the things that you do see often in in, um, price points is that that zero stop gets compromised. So if you're trying to pick up a scope that does all these things around the $500 mark, $600 mark, often zero stops won't be present or they'll be compromising a lot of other things in the scopes. And so you have to spend the 1000 plus to be able to get that sort of option. Where does that sit for you, Bronnie? Bronnie? Uh I could
3: probably live without a zero stop on the basis that I'm probably gonna have it on the ra- a rail that's maxing out most of its available elevation anyway, so it's not okay. gonna have that much travel below. Yeah. But probably the one thing that I probably should have mentioned in the last bit that I wouldn't be able to live without is a scope that doesn't track true. Sure. If you have a scope that doesn't track, it's yep.
1: useless. See I, I would uh I would suggest that a scope that doesn't track true is not as big a deal as a scope that doesn't track consistently. Yeah, true. Yep, true. So a scope that, yeah, and what we're talking about there, uh, for those who are not familiar with that, so every time you click that turret, it's meant to dial 0.1 mil. Now, I'm yet to encounter a scope that does over a large area. So you're talking dialing up 10, 15, 20 mil. Most won't. They'll be, you know, you dial up... Ten mil, and they'll dial up nine point nine nine seven, or something on those lines. But if it does that every single time, that's okay. Your ballistics calculator can adjust for it. You you can you can offset that um, and actually adjust what your your data will give you with that variation in mind. There's no problems. But a scope that you dial up. Ten mil when it comes to nine point nine nine seven, then you dial it down, and then dial it up again. And it comes to ten point oh one two, and then dial it down again. And it comes up to nine point eight. Uh, these are problems. Uh, these are big problems. And so mm. that's a scope that's very inconsistent with its dialing, despite it not necessarily tracking true. And and I've, I believe I've been present for. Somewhere in the vicinity of sixty to seventy scopes going through the tests, the tall target tests that would test this, and I'm yet to see one, uh, one scope be hundred percent on, um, but they are all that like the the good ones, uh, probably ninety percent of those tracked true. Uh, sorry, tracked
3: consistently. So, yeah, 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 consistent. But I mean, I guess point. If It's out, it's all relative to how much is out by oh, absolutely. It's, if it's you know, try and dial 10 mil and it only dials nine mil, mm-hmm. that's a big issue. But if it does 9.98 or whatever, yep, or less than a click, realistically, probably your ability to shoot off of a awkward position and <laughs> your general ability to shoot yep. is going to mask that error.
1: Mm the the uh, one of the ones the best ones i've seen uh, was a scope that was should i say the brand anyway i, I won't say the brand was uh, a scope that would it was a mark 4 of whatever brand it was and you would dial it and now is num this is years ago and and the numbers are sketchy but whatever it was doing it was 20% out Right. And it was, it was bang on 20% out every time. It would, you would dial five, it would move four. Now I'm trying to remember if it was mill or moa, but what we worked out, and, and whatever the actual number was, the percentage was out was, what we worked out is the lead screw in it that would adjust that turret was probably in the other variation. So it was probably an MOA lead screw in a mill turret, or vice versa, because it would track it, like it, it was the best out of six scopes that day. It was the best tracking scope. Give or take twenty percent. <laughs> and it was it was dead on once we worked that out. But tell you what, we scratched our heads on that one for a while. Anyway, the scope got sent back. Uh nothing wrong with it. Uh it came back and it worked perfectly after that. So uh, anyway, clearly it was it was must fixed. Have
3: spent some grease or something on there.
1: <laughs> must have must have been twenty percent too much grease. <laughs> yeah. Or too little. Just some thread grease. I
0: mean, <laughs> gre- grease takes up clearance. You've you got to understand that. Yeah, that's right.
1: That's exactly right. So, uh, yeah, I think one of, the, one of the compromises you often make on, on dollars, um, particularly with a PRS sort of designated one, is those zero stops and then clarity of your glass. Mm. Um, is, are two big
2: factors. I think the other thing too is um, people need to realise when they do get a cheaper scope, yeah. the internals aren't made to last. You know? So if you are yeah. continuously dialing, I mean, you could be dialing on a nylon bush you Know what I mean? Like something it's like one of my hobbies, brass, actually. or just keep it away from Bronte's knobs, <laughs> but you know what I mean? Like they're not going to last, they'll be good for the first couple of, couple of rounds, but then you're going to have issues. And sometimes it is, you know, it's the old adage you, you buy once, you buy once type things. So.
1: Yeah, you've definitely named the episode by the way.
2: <laughs> I don't know, I thought Vindaloo was up there
1: dialing on a nylon bush. Oh, yeah, yeah. that one's true, it's yeah. hard to beat. To be. All right, so let's change our scenario then, Brondy. Let's um, uh, let's say if we're going to do a scope for ELR. Mm-hmm. All right, what what changes in our discussion on that? Are we are we sticking with first first focal plane? Or are we going to second focal plane? Um,
3: it probably, in my view, it probably doesn't actually matter quite as much with the ELR. Mm-hmm. Um. Justification behind that is most of the second focal plane scopes will be true at their maximum magnification, um, where you're likely to be spending you know, a fair bit of time. If you're shooting something, a uh, you know, twenty-four inch plate at a mile, yep, you're not going to be down at five power unless you have to be there so you get extra elevation. Sure, you know, you're going to try to optimize that. You know, yep. all things being equal, weather conditions change things, all the rest. But um, my deciding factor would be more available elevation in the dials. Okay. So I'd, I'd, I'd take a second focal plane scope that's mm-hmm. got, um, you know, t- 50% more capacity in the dials than taking a first focal plane scope that only can dial me out to 600 metres enough to try to guess the rest because sure. I just won't have that available hold.
1: Yeah. Um, I think one of the things that, that's been around around second, first focal plane scopes is that uh, – because the, the reticle grows on the first focal plane scope as you magnify it, it's in line with the magnification and so it keeps zooming in, is that for many years that line in the centre got thicker. Yep. And so what you would do is you, your downrange target, you've now you've gone from a fairly small line to a very thick line and you end up covering up your target and not actually being able to see where on that target you're aiming, Mm. if at all, being able to see the target. And so a lot of long-range and ELR guys were very second focal plane focused. And they, they, you know, bring up the point that – you are whether you're on your ideal magnification, the sweet spot we talked about in the last episode, uh, or not. You're on a fixed magnification many much of the time. Therefore, you can work out what your holds are or your anyway, variation. Mm. But what's definitely happened in the last six seven years is that radical design of the first focal plane scopes, scopes 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 has gotten a lot better. Mm. And so you end up seeing like the 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 Razor Gen Two, which I you know you have one of the the, the the actual center point is nothing. There's nothing there. It's just yep. these four lines that come up to, to, to meet and then just there's a little gap there. In the uh, the 7C, the, the latest variant uh, in there, there's a tiny little dot in the center of those four lines to give you something to hold. Um, and so reticle design has gotten far better in the first focal plane scopes. And so for, for people who are thinking, oh, yeah, no, I wouldn't go first focal plane because it will block my target um, – it's not so much the case now. Pending reticle choice. Yep. Yeah. Paul, any thoughts on the alarm matter?
2: Yeah, I sort of agree with, with Bronte. Um, my biggest bugbear with second focal plane scopes are you don't get all the information, such as the Christmas tree reticles and all that kind of jazz. Mm-hmm. And when you're shooting at that kind of distance, that to me is invaluable. So I've sort of jumped across to the H59 reticle, which yep. is really super busy. Um, with probably, be, I think would you know you would think it'd be too heavy to use but again that's got a floating center dot a very yep. fine one mm-hmm. yeah so um quite good for that application yep. however like you say i mean if you get a you know the older style first focal plane reticles you are covering your reticle, you are covering your target oh yeah the older ones absolutely, absolutely. Yeah. Oh, yeah pretty pretty shocking yeah yeah, yeah but well, it I mean, it comes down to budget too i mean invariably second focal plane scopes are cheaper yeah
1: and, and this is probably so, the but that's yeah that's a
2: good point though because
3: you know you can if you if you had Two grand to spend, you're going to get a heck of a lot more scope. Yep. Spend $2,000 on a second focal plane scope than you will on a first focal plane scope mm. for a, for a given budget. Yep. Um, so.
1: Yeah. So why then, uh, and sorry, but the other thing with ELR, what do we talk magnification wise? What are you guys referencing? What would you use? Look, well, oh. see, you said you were just constantly smacking a, a mile every single shot. Uh, oh, um, God, no. Power. Nah, <laughs> come on. We, d- we didn't get into your <laughs> error.
2: I said the target was at a mile. Okay, all right? righto.
1: No, let's Sorry, just clarify. I may have, have misremembered that.
2: No, that, that was the time I was using Nozzlers, I think. <laughs> do you remember? And I think we actually pulled one out of the ground beside the target with yep. the, the rifling on it. It was um, pretty impressive. <laughs> good, good. I think it just about dropped into place. But um, <laughs> no, it's… I've lost it. What was the question? <laughs> <I didn't know. laughs> How much magnification for the ELR? Magnification yeah. on the ELR um, side of things. I think, um, look, if you're in the second focal plane, it depends on your shooting position, you know, because you could be against Mirage, you could be on a hill, which Mirage isn't going to be too much of a problem. You know what I mean? You're not getting the yeah, the shimmer. Yeah, I mean,
3: atmospherics absolutely. Yeah, there's,
2: there's a whole list of things. Um, you know, again, it, it gets down to the, you know, what's the day like, your location. You know the size. Yeah, target but if the we're shooting.
1: if we're going to buy a scope, we can't take the day into account, can we? We've got to buy a scope that's set up for the the type of shooting we're doing, despite the 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 day that we're going to encounter.
3: For an ELR situation, yep. My preference would be more magnification, Um, because, uh, yeah, for for a given thing, I'm you know I be willing to have a scope that the minimum magnification is, say 12 for example mm. I wouldn't ha- I'd be keen to have a scope that the minimum magnification is 12 for a hunting situation but for an ELR situation sure I'll yep. quite happily have something that's like you know 12 to 48 or something in that range yep on the basis that uh the more you can see you know if you, you can have a, a more consistent point of aim yep in that application
2: is beneficial it's more important yep yeah so the Trade off to that would be general as a general rule the higher magnification, the less the less, less adjustment you've got on it. Yep. But then you go so, to ivy mounts and all this, yeah, other correct. Sorts and I actually run a sheets. um, what's that mount? The um, the cold cold chop cold shop mounts, yeah. yeah. And that's got you know 70 odd mils yeah. of adjustment in it,
1: yeah. And so that,
2: that application is fine, that, but if that you brings, gain, yeah, if you're not geared up for it, <laughs> you know, you've got to sort of have you've got to work out you know, a what range are you going to do it, do it mm. at because then. You, you could be set up and then you can't physically get there because either the reticle won't allow you yep. you know, you'll you'll be able to see the target awesome but then you know the, the increments in the scope don't allow you to get that far
1: and that's where uh, an ELR setup I think we we you know we mentioned in the last episode the 20 MI rail where there's there's also adjustable rails which will allow you to adjust externally to the scope now back on Dutchie's point from the last episode, which is why we keep referencing that one highly suggest you listen to that one first but uh Ideally, you want to be looking through the centre of the scope as best you can, as much as you can through the centre, not at the extreme ends. And so uh, having an external adjustment, a rail or some other mechanism that will allow you to dial a lot of that in, you could run a really high power magnification scope with limited adjustment but you've got to factor in this additional adjustment has got to come from somewhere. Mm-hmm. And so particularly a scope that you can you could wind back out, wind back in. I would not be so concerned about the second or first focal plane because most instances of ELR, um, you've got time. If you are shooting on a on a target and you're trying to shoot 2,000, 3,000, whatever it may be, you're not sitting there going, oh, I've got 10 seconds to make this shot before the beeper goes off. You are like, take this shot when I'm good and ready. Mm. And so you can put into your data that you're adjusting your scope to whatever power and you can can adjust these things and and make all the calculations and therefore it's not such a big deal. If you're trying to do ELR on a budget or you're trying to do ELR as a compromise on a gun some of these things are going to be compromised and so therefore you're going to be trying to look for maybe use your first focal plane, your 7 to 35, for example, so you've got that higher end stuff but with a reticle that's sensible, mm. good internal adjustment, um, you'll sort of push that as far as you can.
2: And an adjustable cheekpiece.
1: piece. And it's an, an absolute, absolute must. must. Cheek, yeah, cheek yeah, piece, yeah. A
2: yeah. Yeah. Yes. Like cheek world is everything and when you go into the adjustable mounts, as we were sort of saying before, I've got one that if you go up and you crank it as high as you can… You almost need a step ladder to get behind it. (laughs) The other thing that I think
3: is overlooked that I come across on the weekend is um, is the adjustable butt pad. Because you can have your cheek rest all nice and high, but then you find the the top corner of the rifle sitting in the bottom of your shoulder, and that's less than pleasant with something that actually recoils, where if you could actually move that up so you get a proper shoulder weld as well, it makes it a little bit more pleasant from a shooting experience.
1: So this is when people say, oh... Look like you put on a bit of weight. I just go, look, I'm actually planning to get into the ELR game and shoot a bit further, so I need a bit of a fatter cheek so I can sit That's up right. a bit higher. So it's all it's all decisions decisions made.
3: It's
1: dedication to the cause. That's exactly right, mate. It's my life. Keep it 100 metres, you'll be fine. <laughs> <laughs> so speaking of 100 metres, uh, what if we threw the, the scenario of I want a spotlighting scope? Dutchie, this is going to be right up your alley, this sort of thing, because – uh what are these I cover things? all aspects man I, 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 I had a lot
0: I was going to say but you didn't you didn't ever throw to me so I, just oh, I kept my mouth shut Oh well, I, I was, was very sa- unlike myself
1: I was saving you for the best parts for the best parts that's why it's out So the outro <laughs> right at the end Yeah <laughs> So for next episode. <laughs> but a hunting, a, a, well, we won't say hunting, we'll say spotlighting because if you just say, I want a hunting scope, again, we talked back at the beginning of this episode, talked about the application that you're utilising it for. The more specific you can be in that, the the, the better information you're going to be, you're going to get back in terms of what scopes to get. So spotlighting scope. Dutchie, what are these factors of consideration for you if you're going to buy something for uh, spotlighting?
0: Uh, I think… To just reiterate what's been said, radical choice mm-hmm. is is just paramount on any application. I think
1: it's it's interesting because I reckon that would not be f- people's first thought with uh, spotlighting type scope for many for many people. Yeah, Particularly um, if they haven't delved into that PRS and ELR world. What what are you looking for in a radical? It depends how
0: far you want to shoot when you're spotlighting. I suppose. Um, I mean, our spotlighting
3: some of your shots can get quite distant. Yep. It's probably something that's changed though. Um, mm. I know when I first started spotlighting, yep. 200 meter shots were long shots because that's about as far as the light could shine.
1: Yeah. True. yeah Whereas true. now
3: we're running HID lights and, you know, 5,500 watt HID lights and you can <laughs> see a bloody
0: long
1: way. <laughs> you you can. Yeah, absolutely.
0: Yeah. So, you know, I, I would be a uh, sort of reluctant to use a Christmas tree reticle out spotlighting just through how cluttered they can be. But Mm -hmm. again, it would depend on where you were spotlighting. Like if you were spotlighting in, um, cropping country or like open paddocks, probably not going to be as, as critical. But if you're in like denser, like salt bush or something like that, where, Mm. um, you can be distracted by moving targets in and out of, uh, concealment. um, Having a simpler reticle is um, better for faster target acquisition. But then again, if you're taking shots further out, you need holdover points on that. So
1: Mm. Mm.
0: uh, everything's a compromise, really. Yeah, absolutely. (laughs) There's no – Know, like one size fits all, or this is the perfect scope radical combination for your application because your application is going to change depending it's, on what you're doing. So, there's a bit of
1: personal preference to it in there. Um, one of the things for a spotlighting scope, we'll go around the room with it uh, illumination, Dutchie, yes, Roddy, yeah, absolutely, Paul, oh, 100%. Yeah, I'd be the same uh, for spotlighting scope. The, the fact that just have that little, little element of illumination,
2: not heaps. you don't want it to no. be burning your eyes out, no. it's just. Just a question though, what yeah. style of reticle do you prefer Illuminated when you are spotlighting?
1: Um, mm, well, Because
2: my preference was like the number four, the Illuminated number four, which was just a center dot.
1: Yeah. Because my... it had quite
2: a thick stadia and you could sort of bring your eye to it but the center dot just sort of finished it off.
1: Oh, I so see. Yeah, 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 okay. Yeah, I I, um, I um, ran – the last time I went spotlighting, which was a little while ago, was SKMR 3 in the colors, which was uh, a full sort of, you know, British reticle, uh, and that was fine. I think one of the things that you, you talked about, uh, Dutchie, there with with a, a grid reticle, a Christmas tree type reticle, and people are saying it's uh, cluttered, I think that comes down to a lot of experience behind it. Mm. So a lot of, like almost everyone who gets behind one of those reticles goes, oh, it's cluttered. It's, it's hard to see through. You spend, I won't give it a time, but you spend enough time on that gun with the decision made that you're going to learn that reticle, you barely see that reticle anymore and you will see everything through it. So um, to come back to your question, for I, I, if you are familiar with a reticle, as long as that reticle is present, slightly glowing, I'm, I'm happy as long as I know that reticle. I can imagine yeah. if I threw a Horace reticle on you, Dutchie, and turned it on and gave it to you and said, go spotlighting, you'd be like looking at all the pretty colours and all the numbers on it. i like, oh, oh, yeah, Any, Anything in
0: that center dot's as good as <laughs> <laughs> The rest <laughs> of this stuff's just there to make me feel like it's Christmas. Yeah. <laughs> Set it up. Make it dead. Well, <laughs> hot dog, we have a winner. I don't have any Christmas ones. <laughs> Sorry. Just, I, was, I was just trying to say for um, people looking at buying yep. a scope for that, uh, you really need to look at your application. And, yeah, yeah, yeah. And, Absolutely. you know, maybe a Christmas tree reticle isn't
1: ideal. If that's all you're doing, I yeah. tend to agree. I generally would, uh, would, would be going with, um, I, in that scenario, I used to dial a lot and would then hold wind across the um, across the center line. Really? Yeah. yeah. Yeah.
0: Well, I was the man who only had one gun. I just knew where it was going to go.
3: Mm-hmm. Yeah, I I can't say I've ever actually really dialed at all spotlighting.
1: Okay.
3: Um, partly because it's normally dark and I can't see the knobs and I don't like counting clicks. So I kind of just hold most things.
2: Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. What's the max shot you've done spotlighting?
1: Oh, hang on. No, oh. Take your pants off. It's a dick measuring comp. Oh. He's, already,
2: he's already mentioned knobs, so come on. <laughs>
1: <laughs> oh, it, not really. He doesn't that like touching
3: them when he's probably. Uh, maybe three 400 meters would be max spotlighting. Yep. Yeah, okay. So, I, I, yeah, not anything. Because that's realistically as bad as far as the spotlight can go and actually identify what you're shooting at. And yep. even – it might probably even be less than that. It's probably – 300 yep. metres is probably probably the maximum. Um, you know, during the day, yeah, absolutely. You stretch it a shitload further than that and you have great fun doing it. But spotlighting, 300 metres is probably
2: – And that's why I was asking, like, when you were saying about your reticle yep. with the SKR, whatever it was, yep. Um, I have sort of found the same. If you're sort of shooting at night, I mean, you were never sort of shooting that longer range. Yeah. So you could always great. hold yeah. over slightly and – I guess I was always using like a fixed seven power or a fixed eight power. Yeah. You know what I mean? And that's where that reticle wasn't busy. It was just yeah, yep. Easy to easy easy to the eye, I guess. It was,
1: I will clarify the only reason I was using that reticle is is the only gun I had with me and uh got invited to go out and uh made it work. So uh so we probably digressed from the, the original question so far is, is what would you use for uh for spotlighting? So in terms of a magnification range, Paul, what would you uh so, I mean, you talked about having a fixed, but if you had your options there for a dedicated spotlighting rig, what are we talking? Uh,
2: again, I, I I think in that instance I'd probably just stick with the fixed. I think the, With the fixed? Yeah, really? the 7 power. I, I don't know because they they're, they tend to be clearer because you're not going through as many lenses. I mean, it's don't, yep. you know what I mean? And, and less things go wrong with them. They're usually a bit more robust. And that, that that was the setup I had at the time. Yeah. So,
1: yeah. Okay. Bronnie?
2: Um, I use my sort of PRS
3: style rifles spotlighting, but I guess I'd like my um 5 to 25 is probably my favourite okay. spotlighting um, rifle. And I guess if I was to buy another scope purely for it, I'd probably get the 3 to 15 Steiner would probably, in my view, almost ideal. Bang for, on, yeah. Because I, you know, if you're shooting foxes or something that are at that outer Mm-hmm. limit of there. It's nice to have to see them and see the smile. <laughs> you get right <laughs> up in close and actually, you make know. Make it personal. Make it personal. Yeah. Um, you know, if you can count the whiskers, it's always a nice feeling to.
2: As soon as it twitches and moves, you're going to try and search for it, aren't you?
3: No, but that's that's where the, the 15, yeah. sort of that three, yeah. to, 3 to 15. Like I wouldn't go up to 25 because, yeah, you're exactly right. It runs 10 metres. And you've go, oh, only, on, yeah. only got X I'm amount I'm looking at this area of the ground. Yeah. It's yeah. useless. But, you know, something like 3 to 15 yeah. would probably be – I think about ideal. What, so what sort of object, objective size are you talking about there? 50 or 56.
0: Fairly large. Yeah. yeah.
3: Bigger, Bigger. Oh, I don't really intend on carrying my guns very far. It's kind of from the safe to the car, to the car, to the, car, to the spotlighting vehicle. I wouldn't have picked that about you, but a yeah. the fitness guru. Are they the ones that
2: work or? <laughs> 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 oh, the ones that don't work well, yeah.
1: <laughs> Dutchie, what about you, mate? For magnification for a spotlighting sort of setup.
0: Uh depends what we were going for. I mean rabbits, I'd just go something fairly low, three to nine. Yep. But we uh, we're we're, we're building an all round
1: spotlighting rig. Are we? Yeah, that's what that's planned.
0: If someone else is paying for it, I'd probably get a uh something higher in the twenty, like mid twenty range okay. magnification. Yeah right. Yeah.
1: Um so any Patreons who are listening, you want to up their uh, contribution to buy Dutchia? Dutchier?
3: I've I've already got one. That's <laughs> that's why I've uh, why I've said because I'm just okay. Sort of what off used. what I got. What would you look for on the low end? Because that's from me. Five is okay, but if I can get into three, I'd probably go yeah, down see, to my, that because my... that field of view. There's something at thirty meters. Yeah. you know. Three power, it's three power. Get it nice and low. You can see more of it. Thirty meters—that's tomahawk range for me. So. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I forgot ask, you had the
0: throwing stars. Ask
1: Andrew Noble about tomahawks <laughs> and, and <laughs> close he range. He's into darts, <laughs> isn't he? Uh, Let's—we uh, ask him. We'll get him on the on the show sometime. Anyway, so uh, my my ideal—the the best scope I had for it was a three to fifteen, and I, I wound back to a three to twelve. I now run the uh, the Zeiss. Uh, Dyer Range, which is the one with the yep. finder inside of it, which is super quick on the range finding side of things and, and beautiful glass. It's a 3 to 12. And I do find myself wanting that little bit extra every now and then. And and we, you know, went back, well, Dutch, you were there when we were shooting roos, uh, culling roos uh, and, you know, and, and foxes on some other properties. 400 metres was about the, 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 the limit um, where we'd shoot. And so having that 3 to 15 was about… You know, it was a real comfortable range. Uh, we would have like a, a standard crosshair but with hash marks all over it, so not the Christmas tree trap reticles illuminated and that was probably the best sort of scenario I mm. would run. Down to the 3 to 12 now, do I do look for that little bit extra from time to time and I wish I had a better reticle in there but um, the amount of spotlighting I do currently um, doesn't warrant uh, changing that over yet.
3: Yeah, I've got a 3 to 12 on my... um 204 and oh the same. Yep. It spends a fair portion of its time at 12 yep. and you're leaning on that lever to go a little bit more mm. when you're starting to, to get out to the longer spotlighting shots, especially on smaller targets.
1: So what if we come into uh, our Precision Shooting Podcast gun shop that we have just apparently set up and we ask for a hunting scope. I want to go generic hunting um, and I'm putting it on a... 270 or something on those lines, lighter weight gun. I want a hunting scope that's going to sort of tick all my boxes. What are we suggesting? So why suggesting are you going to 270?
2: There? Sorry? So why are you going to 270?
1: <laughs> all right. All right. So anyway, carry on. Very friendly shop we've got here. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> first yeah. First, what <laughs> why haven't you bought what I've got? Like, have you got a 250 first? <laughs> three of them, mate. Three of them. Oh, that's right. good. So and you, 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 you leap hold and a 3 Moving on to a scope. That sounds like it's... a fun trip actually. <laughs> <laughs> Already. <laughs> Do you bring your kazoo? Yeah, I'll oh, we'll get one. Yeah. <laughs> so going for a stock standard hunting rifle to go on a three oh eight or a two hundred seventy or a two four three or something like that that I'm just gonna I'm just gonna go out and shoot with. What are we what are we looking for, for that sort of generic scenario? Oh, I'm sorry, I tuned out. I got distracted by all your gold chains. <laughs> so, uh, well, I'll, I'll kick something forward. I generally like a, I mean, a three to nine is a real common. That's been the benchmark type magnification. Second focal plane, uh, fairly standard duplex reticle. You point at it and you shoot or you aim a little bit higher and you shoot if it's a bit further away. Mm. That sort of scope. Uh, I would personally probably bump that to a four to 12. Um just to have that little bit extra on the end. Or three to twelve it's available in the particular sort of level we're talking about. Um but three to nine, four to twelve, something along those lines is what I generally would go for a uh, you know, carry around, walk, you know, walk around, shoot during the day mostly, perhaps a little bit of spotlighting if need be. Any other thoughts on that sort Order of Four
2: to twelve by what?
1: Four to twelve. 4 why, to twelve. What's the by objective? By what's, forty or, or what reticle four, are you looking at? Right. Why don't, so, why don't we
2: just go the whole hog? What brand right. would you go for? Right. What's well, the rusty's preference?
1: If we were going to uh, to go for uh, I'd probably go for a four to twelve by forty, maybe forty four, depending on which model it would come into. And I'm going maybe a duplex with a couple of lines. Uh let's if, if you're talking reticles, I know the duplex LR from Leopold. Or the Leopold, but I'd buy that reticle where it's a straight duplex with a couple of lines underneath. You could use a, it's a holdover, maybe in a Burris, maybe in a Steiner, maybe in a it depends on the money I've got. But we're a uh, four to 12 by say 40, 44, something along those lines. So the whole thing's pretty sleek, nice little deer hunting type scenario, yeah.
3: Because so I guess it goes back to what. The um the rifle, is it like a heavy varmint rifle or is it no, a li- no. sorry, light, lighter rifle? We're
1: talking, yeah, I mean this is what the common question is for a standard hunting type scenario and often that will mean a off-the-shelf ticker, sporter, sporter yeah. in in one of five common calibers that you would see. Sorry, mate, Paul, not Paul. everyone can afford
3: AIs. All aspects, Paul, all
1: aspects. <laughs>
3: Even the poor aspects, <laughs> the non-AI <laughs> aspects.
2: I just sold the ticker, I had to. <laughs> It was taking up too much space for the <laughs> AI
1: <laughs> and desert techs. <laughs> <laughs> right, so would am I far off the mark for that sort of scenario? No. What would pr- you tweak?
3: Ah, uh, if if we're going down the path of a, a purely punting thing, yep. I'd right be gun. looking at the the some of the little Zeiss mm-hmm. um, Zeiss. I think they've got one that's a five, like a Zeiss something five. Where it's five times H oh,
1: D five? Yeah, yep. H D
3: five. So you got that sort of five times yep. zoom ratio. Yep. Um you know, if you're looking at something like a two four three, that's without a huge amount of drop, you're out to three hundred meters. Pretty comfy. Pretty comfy. That's yep. a pretty, pretty cushy yep. um distance. So you'd be looking, I think like we touched upon before, I'd be looking for a fractional more magnification, something up, like, you know, the fifteen to eighteen mm-hmm. ideally. Yep. Um but yeah, if it's if the light carry around rifle, then yeah, you're 40, 45. Yep. You know, 50, is probably getting a bit excessive and bit chunky. Bit yeah. chunky, bulky, heavy, and, you know, ugly for that what, style of.
1: Yeah. What's that Zeiss you've got, Dutchie? You? That's pretty pretty reasonable in that sort of.
0: Uh, it's a 3 to 9 by 40.
1: 3 to 9 by 40 in the Zeiss Conquest. Yes. A much, a much sought after uh, scope, actually.
0: That is. Uh, a Very capable scope on the 17 mm. HMR, that one, yeah. So, sorry, 17 HMR, yeah. yeah. Um, yeah, for that, it's perfect. But again, if it was on a centerfire, I'd probably be looking for a bit more magnification. Mm-hmm. I think there's a around the 14 15 range, yeah, there's a 14, some,
1: four and a half to 15 or four and a yeah, half, to something, yeah, something
0: about that. Just a little bit extra magnification because that thing's probably like 150 meter max, yep. Um, for shooting bunnies. Okay. Um. But yeah, it's got a r- really fine crosshair. I don't know what it is. They're number twenty reticle. So like.
1: Yep. I'm not we, sure. We we really. all know what that is. So just nod and move on. Yeah. Perfect. Yeah. Nine I don't know if that's
0: the right the right number. <laughs> Love it. They got a heap. They're all numbers. Yeah. It's really helpful.
1: All right. So I'll throw one more application to you. Um, if we haven't alienated them all yet, our benchrest and F class listeners which uh, may, maybe some of them are still hung around for 122 episodes, possibly. <laughs> um, but anyway. You the mean they've uh, just come
2: out of therapy and they, they've, they've <laughs> started listening again. Uh, All life decisions.
1: Um, Dutchie, behind you there, there's a Kales. There. There's a Kales there and a 10 to 50. Uh, magnification scope. Now, that sort of thing, we you know, people will often associate a ten to fifty or something like that with the long range shooting, and then sort of jump into PRS and think that's the appropriate sort of scope. Now, we've covered off many reasons why that sort of isn't an ideal thing, and we perhaps touched on ELR side of things why it maybe, but um, in the F class and benchrest world, those sort of things are fairly popular. High mm. magnification scopes. Um, not necessarily a huge amount of internal elevation. You don't need it. You know, Why don't you, you need
3: it? Well, you look right? at what the objective of those shooting sports are. Yep. Um, and they, they,
1: by the way, we do realise they're two very different sports, <laughs> very different disciplines.
3: They are, but from a, conceptually they're trying to shoot you know, tightest possible groups. Yep. In a PRS match, you get the same number of points if you hit the edge of the plate, the middle of the plate or – The top where the bolt was hanging, and sometimes even the chain. You know, it's it's precision, but it's a different degree of precision. Call it, you know, it's it's essentially you know a hit to hit.
1: Well, you you will yeah you you will find some targets that are really small, but that's a couple of targets over the course of a match, Mm. not all of the targets. Yeah.
3: Whereas you know, your F class guys, I'm not particularly well versed in F class. Not particularly. I am. I've done done heaps of it. (laughs) Oh, I'll let you take over if you like. Basically, you got to get a we
0: piece of a cardboard weiner. that covers the entire length of your barrel so the, the heat waves don't. A mirage? Yeah, and yeah.
3: then you get a, a jacket that's got. Um, do you get, do you get the trolley trolley as well to carry all your gear on? No, you have your 7 your is, trolley.
1: That trolley is not a silly idea, by the way. I oh, know, no. I'm <laughs> putting it out. That, there.
3: Yeah, no, trolleys are great. Um, but I've only been
0: F-class shooting once. And it was fe- it was so much fun. So <laughs> That's an infinite number of times more than me.
2: It's
0: um, <laughs> actually really good. I'm... Thoroughly enjoyed it. I just
2: how many rounds did they shoot? Thousands. Really? Like a mate of mine does it, he's going, Oh, I was out all there all day and it's like twelve rounds. I was what?
0: No, this was a practice day. It was I think it was just a lot of fun. It mm-hmm. was a lot of fun. But I still like to give him shit about putting covers on their barrel and wearing funny glasses and having chicken. Well, jackets. before so you I start, didn't even know they had trolleys.
1: Before you start <laughs> ramming home the uh, the the covers on the barrels, we just we better take this photo here of Jamie Dennis. Um, with uh, shooting PRS in Darwin uh, with about seven sunshades on the end of his scope, and it does look like the case is coming out of the uh, scope <laughs> and <laughs> injecting cases out of his scope and bullets out of his barrel so uh, i don 't know how you 've done that mate getting cases out of your scope, but you 're done well anyway uh, so <laughs> moving on but, you know, <laughs> back to back to the the, the question at hand
3: essentially the the objective of the sport um, is is more targeted towards shooting tighter. Tighter groups. Um, so, sorry.
2: Well, I was very confused was just, by the oh, – No, I'm just looking at that. I, I, I'd love to know what the field of view was like through it, because surely that would have affected it, having it that long, having a scope tube on it. You know what I mean? That. Mm. So it's not only the zoom that would impact, then it's your field of view in general, because it's going to tunnel. It would have to.
1: Yeah, mm. Mm. but uh, maybe that's the offset between the the heat haze that you get in Darwin, which is. Oh, it's
2: Darwin. That's mm. where. That's where that blog lives. <laughs> <laughs> the <laughs> one whose name will not be mentioned. Well, <laughs> the, right. the
0: look at the photo; he's not even looking through the scope anyway. <laughs> so really it's just there for
2: show.
1: It's <laughs> all right. Uh, yeah, sorry. Back to uh, back to all your experience in F class, there, Brandy, <laughs> which isn't very much. <laughs> um, yeah, you know,
3: but collectively, the the intent behind F class and benchrest is you know shooting tighter tighter groups they can can in in a practical sense. Mm. Um, appreciating there are subtle nuances difference between the but you know to do that you need to have the most consistent point of aim you can get you know the best way to do that is make you know make that point that you're aiming Mm. at as big as possible yeah so your more magnification is highly beneficial for that and you're not shooting at um you're shooting at fixed ranges so if you've got a Thousand yard benchrest gun or whatever it is, you can quite easily set that up with a sixty or fifty MO rail if that's what you need for your caliber yeah. to be optically centered for your scope at that range. Yeah, cool. Go your hardest because that's going to give you your best.
1: And that's that's the thing is why you may have limited elevation and such. You you are very known exactly what you need to achieve. Be it between three hundred yards, I think is the closest that the F class guys will shoot. Um, out to eleven or 1,200, but we're, you know, oh. we, as I said, we, we are, we're sketchy on some of the it's details. Like 1,176
0: or something. Like
1: something like very that. Very specific. And so they're within specific parameters and they can set their scopes up to, to work within that sort of parameter. The other thing they do is they often will go with much more minimal reticle, um, but they have a much bigger tendency to dial their wind. Because yeah. their their shots are not so sporadic, they they w- they have more time. They wait to take their we'll shots,
3: wait for the wind flag to be at the certain angle, and then yeah, and then they commonly
1: it. will just will, will rattle off a number around. Certainly, in ventress, that's that seems to be the case. So uh, it's a, it's a different setup, and that's where, where guys talk about uh, you know I want to I want to get a gun set up, I want to get a scope set up for long range shooting. Well. Um, in this day and age, you need to clarify what type of long range shooting you're doing because if you're in this scenario, the bench rest or the 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 F class or fly shoots or whatever, sure, no problems, that's fine. But you will go for a very different scope if you were doing that than if you were doing commonly ELR or PRS, and, and even PRS and ELR are definitely quite mm. different. Uh, and so, um, yeah, it, it is it is varied, and so the more you know, and it's very apparent in this whole sort of sport. The more specific you can be in your in your type of application, the the better you will buy for it. And as soon as you start trying to compromise, go. on to do a bit of F class and a bit of PRS. Um, cool, but you're going to have to favour one or the other because the equipment is very different. And that's not that, that obviously doesn't just limit it to scopes. That's, uh, that's everything. Yeah, well, you uh, we can come to
0: the accessory side of the store that we offer and I can sell you a hat, some
3: glasses, a barrel shroud. Uh, I was what just was
0: thinking the, what you was can the other make, thing? I think you can trolley, make… I you know, trolley. I think you just trolley. make more
3: friends going to one of their matches with a muzzle brake. There you go.
0: I'll sell you two muzzle brakes. <laughs> <laughs> one for the front, one for the back. Yeah, one for the one that they throw away. <laughs> <laughs> one for the replacements. So. Yeah.
1: Mm, yeah, very good. So there's a couple of uh, of myths, uh, and and look, by the way, this is not completely comprehensive. There is plenty of what? stuff. What all haven't. aspects? I <laughs> oh, <no, no. laughs> <laughs> There's only two episodes, um, so there's a couple of myths, uh, myths, myths. Nah, uh, we call them myths here. Myths. Okay. Come, myths. Got a myth for you. Got a myth for you. <laughs> How far can this show? This. No, that's right. <laughs> <laughs> Right,
0: my show can scoop very far, (laughs) mate.
1: How far can this scope shoot? Is a question that I have been asked on many occasions.
0: In your shop, hypothetically or literally, literally, literally,
1: several occasions. How far can this scope shoot? And and Brody will bring up the uh, the realist argument of scopes can't shoot any distance because they're scopes. But the the idea is that the scope will be uh, the limiting factor in how far your bullet can travel. There's some truth to that.
2: Well, if you can't see it, you can't shoot it. Mm. That's your first one.
1: If you can't adjust for it and such, then you. you You Your likelihood of hitting is low. Is low. But that's not a. It's not a. uh, yeah, how far can this scope shoot? There is no particular limit to what the scope can do in terms of uh, how far it can go. There are there are many complex uh, factors within that question.
2: I guess the caveat on that is I mean, you get stuck into dollar and value for dollar. Um yep. you know, we haven't really touched on it, but then if you've got a, a high end scope, we'll call it, you know, three thousand plus seems to be the the benchmark, I guess. Mm. Um you know, unfortunately, you do have to be in that sort of realm to have a good quality scope that, you know, A, has good glass, good tracking, it's clear, you know, comes all doesn't necessarily come with all the bells and whistles, but it all lends itself to being, a you know, a top-end Tier 1 or a top-end Tier 2 sort of type scope. Mm-hmm. And again, if you can't see it, you can't shoot it. Um, the rest of it, as you say, is your setup. But um, at the end of the day, you know, if it's not a clear image, through that scope, well, it's going to limit how far you can shoot. So,
1: and and you can push a yeah a lot of the, a lot of that comes back to a magnification is is often the the base around that question is how far can you shoot and and I often use the story that my further shots um, which been a couple of clicks have been shot at fourteen power
3: because mm. that's
1: what I had to do because the gun wasn't set up to shoot that Beyond distance. That.
3: Yeah. Yeah, well, I mean, you hear about the people who take right. rifles that really weren't intended for ELR and scope setups that weren't intended for ELR and yeah. shoot long distances and they do that by aiming at rocks on the top of hills yeah. that are in line with their target. And you if them. I aim at that rock over there, I'll hit my target down here that yeah. I can't actually see through the scope, but… That's just kind of where it works.
1: First time I pushed a, a twenty-two to four hundred, we were aiming at a particular leaf on a tree, yep. and hitting the target. It's 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 the way. It how big was a leaf? Um, it was leafy, leaf sized. About, which leaf? I think the question is how big was
3: the target.
2: I think the target. <laughs> it was how many leaves were there? Uh,
1: another myth: uh, which is better, MRAD or moa?
2: Whatever you can get your head around. That's really. If you talk to the F-class guys, they'll tell you the MOA because it's got a finer increment adjustment, Depend, obviously. It
1: just depends on gives, your
2: scope. Yeah, but it gives you the ability, I guess, to go to a finer increment.
0: Whoa. It doesn't. Haven't they stepped down some
1: of the… Yeah, some yeah, of the MRAD like... scopes can go really fine. They got 0.5 now, do they? Yeah, 0.05. Um, so you can go really, really fine on, on, on either. However, yep. an
3: eighth of an MOA is still less than 0.05. You, you can
1: get scope… Mill scopes to go even further than can, that. Yeah. yeah, it's it's all the, the actual system. Does it come with a crank when you get one? No, I like, no, I like the
0: first response. Whatever you can get your head around.
1: Yeah, it just sums
2: it up well, perfectly. It, it's you know we said before at the beginning of the in the previous episode, um, it's loosely based on metric and imperial, and it. It's very loosely
1: based. <laughs> Friday's gonna fight you that too no. right oh. come home. Um the, the, the I think the big thing is is my response with that, and I had a guy ask me this question today, is where and and with whom are you shooting? Because if you are shooting F class and you jump into it with a MRAD scope, uh, you're gonna have to start doing conversions because the language of the discipline is MIA. They're gonna call you names. They may also they call, may you, call names. you names. Yeah, you jump into a PRS match uh, with an MOA scope, and again, um, they're not going to back. More names, worst names, names. 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 <laughs> <laughs> Moa. Um, but they more to the point is that the language of the discipline is Emrad is, is Mills, and so um, it, it depends. Like you can compete in either with with either. No, no problems. You can go hunting with either. The animal doesn't care. Both will get you on target, but neither is better because they do actually just measure. I mean, it's saying which is better, centimeters or inches. I mean, that that is again the same the same question. Not correlating the two.
3: There no. is though, mm-hmm. um, some logic arguments surrounding the whole centimeter versus inches. Yep. Um, Mrad versus MOA. With Mrad, there's uh, understanding how much. Well, it's one, range one Mrad think. at
2: 100 meters is 100 mil. Yeah, yeah, at yeah it, exactly. it's a kilometer. It's it's you know it's a so meter. You know, it's the, simple. It's it's quick. It's the, snappy. It's those things work in my view. Yep.
3: Work a lot better in the Mrad um, sure. world. Also, I'm sure there well there will be quick wind formulas and all that sort of stuff for that work for Moa. Yep. But the ones for Mrad seem to be pretty accurate um, within my ability to call wind and my ability to shoot um, and are quite simple.
1: The the concepts of the wind formulas though are um, because it's patterns, it's recognising patterns in in numbers and therefore it it can work on both. It can work on – You're right. There is more MRAD quick wind formulas. But then it seems the
3: numbers for the MRAD formulas are a lot easier to crunch quickly for me. Yeah. That's in that's my, my experience.
1: And that's probably part of the reason they've found like, good homes in uh, in the PRS side of things where that yep. that's, can be not more important but more under that time pressure more, more critical. And so uh, – but the language – like if you are going to go shoot in bench rest or F-class, it's not silly to go pick up an MOA scope if that's your intention. Oh.
2: But if you're shooting with your mates and you're basically – you know, you might be plinking at long range, let's say. Yep. If those guys have started off with MOA or they use MOA first focal plane scopes, whatever, and yep. you're getting into it, that's not a bad mix because I mean you can then call each other's shots. Yeah, you know, abso- so
1: absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. It's uh, it's uh, I have seen that where teams will shoot a match and one will be in MOA and one will be in Mrad and they go, oh, yeah, Doll left three clicks. Oh, that gets fun, doesn't it? Do <laughs> Paul d- do manu- that, Does that uh. get fun?
0: Do scope manufacturers have a um, preference to what they release there? Um, everything used to be in? Like, because every,
2: like at the beginning, everything was MOA. I,
0: I, I thought, and I you know, could stand corrected here, that um, most of the first focal plane stuff, like the Christmas tree holdover stuff, is now released in Milrad, like the H59 and the, Tremor and a whole other from, ones that i from, don't know in the recent times i totally
3: agree with that and, yeah. and there's
0: not as much m o a based yep like there is there is
3: some release, but there's not the yeah the major- i think from that majority of those scopes that are popular in the p r s style military law enforcement all those sorts of uh, arguably got like time sensitive applications the vast majority of those yep. in the recent history is all they come out with a RAD first, and yep. maybe an MOA eventually.
1: That, that's where the push has been because yeah, much of the military run. That's now. something I've really, noticed. Hundred percent. Yeah. Um, 100%. Yep.
0: Not having a first focal plane scope and mm-hmm. ha- looking at them, there's more available uh, options in 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 Milrad, but I've grown up on MOA, so I find it hard to.
2: So six or seven years ago, you'd be hard pressed mm-hmm. trying to find a Milrad scope, yep. especially one with you know, mill red, reticle and mill red adjustments. Yeah. Yeah. And then there's, I reckon, probably the last five, four to five years, there's been a massive increase in it. I mean, Uh, even look at – Yeah, okay, maybe seven. But, I mean, look at um, night force was a big one. Yep. And I'm just talking about the Australian sort of market. Mm. Every night force you saw was always MOA. Yeah. You know, the good reticles, the NPR ones or whatever they were, they were always MOAs, MO, MO reticle and, you know, great setup. Because I know when I first started getting into shooting, you know, really sort of long range and everything about 10 years ago, I did. Are you that old?
1: Never mind. Sorry, carry
2: on. I'm, one of the, I'm one, <laughs> actually one of the oldest ones here. Aren't I? <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, when I started getting into it, I did prefer the mills and it sort of made sense to me. Mm-hmm. Um, however, yeah, I, I had to get over that hurdle first up of the, yeah. you know, the whole MOA only available. And then, um, yeah, all of a sudden it's like a massive glut in the market. Then bang! You can get MRADS.
1: Um, mm. Well, m- many of our listeners will be familiar with my story, where uh, where I was was training, and in front of you, were actually on that first course, where I went, you know, it's what my
3: fault apparently. Yeah,
1: I, I um, you know what, I don't I don't have my head around mills as well as I need to 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 run this sort of stuff. I'm very familiar with MOA, so I sold all my MOA scopes and bought MRAD scopes and uh, converted myself uh, painfully over a few a uh, few weeks, and uh, you know, sort of. I've been mean, shooting fairly regularly at that stage and so probably a month, maybe a month and a half into it, I really sort of started to have my head around MRAD and – and but that was a – you know, that was a, a fairly significant changeover but I did it wholesale. I, I sold a bunch of scopes and changed everything over and went, well, now I've got no choice. I need to learn this. And it was uh, daunting initially and became a lot easier very quickly because you realise – Just they're actually measuring the same thing. It's just some different numbers that you have to apply, and uh, it probably took, to be fair, probably took really six months to be much more natural at it. Um,
3: So now, obviously, you've experienced both. Mm -hmm. If you all you sold all your scopes today, and you had to buy new scopes, what would you buy? Would you
1: mill because I shoot Paris? Yep. I got a question for you. You've been mm, here we go. to
3: some US matches.
0: Are they giving their target distances in meters or in yards?
1: Both. Either doesn't both. Depending. Okay. Because all depending. of ours are in meters, correct? Um, no. Mm. But I mean, I so saw over, over there that like you could find particular matches or giving yards, particular matches or giving meters. Because oh, because right. that
0: rundown we did of uh, the Stobocleps Bungary, yep, Jamboree or whatever it was. <laughs> but, um. They were all the Delta
1: Tactical Bungary Jamboree. Yeah,
0: Bungary Jamboree. There you go. <laughs> they were all I'm glad him. you didn't say Bungary
1: Jamboree. <laughs> well, <laughs> I don't know what they, goes on
0: at these things. I've never actually <laughs> been to one, so I'm, you know, you know, I'm thinking about going to the King. sport, and then I'm like, oh, maybe not, <laughs> maybe not. Unless they call yeah. it the Bungary
1: Jamboree, yeah. I'm not in. Yeah, no, I'm not keen. <laughs> Good. So they were all giving in meters. They, they were, just, they were, but the match prior, if there was a stage it. or two that was giving yards. But the the same. What well, was that? The senior stage was. Yes.
2: <laughs> yeah, but the U.S. is still in yards. I mean, they, they're still in A lot in of ranges year. are in meters. Though. No, but they're still, like, they do everything with Imperial. Yeah. Except for us they the go area. to uni and they actually just study engineering and
3: they teach them the metric system because they've conceded that it is actually better. Makes sense. I used to
2: work with an American what company the, in buildings, I tell you. They know, used to put four bits in of
3: <laughs> in engineering, though, they changed all the meters.
0: <laughs> like, where's that beep button? <laughs> <laughs> that Beats. sounds so much better than, you know, Uh, 0.9 of nothing. (laughs) (laughs) So
2: just out of curiosity, though, like you're saying you you run MRAD, Um, is everything you own now first focal plane?
1: No. It's not? No. Again, it comes down to application for me. So uh, the anything that I would run in a match would be first focal plane. Uh, If I was going to buy a new ELR scope, I would – Make that decision at the time. I wouldn't be put off for a second. Focal plane option. My spotlighting gun has no holdover points, so it is a straight radical. So, um, so be it. You know, it, it is what it is. So uh, it doesn't really matter in that scenario whether it's first or second. And, um, yeah, I think I think so. I have a com- I have a combination of all of these depending on the application. That's why I'm I'm really big on, you know, if someone's asking about a scope, tell me what you're using it for then I can suggest what, what the best choice is.
0: Okay. Mm. I've got – I'm looking to get into PRS. Mm. Yeah. I've got all MOA-based scopes. Yeah. And as I mentioned before, there's not a lot in the market in that Christmas tree. I don't know what the technical term is.
1: No, t- Christmas tree. It is, is Christmas tree. Yeah. yeah.
0: In MOA-based, like there is um, – There should be
2: – there's still quite a few. Not I mean. not as many.
0: Like you, with your, your Milrad one, you've got like – options on
1: uh, the size of your windage dot? I think you'll find that the, like the Horus category uh, or the catalogue, the Horus catalogue is all in that mill sort of or, or wind speed and such.
2: So it's the H59, the Tremor and all them.
1: Yeah. But the many of the others, particularly, let's say Vortex because I know that yeah. range the best, yeah. they release nearly everything in an MOA and mill variant. Is it just the one? MOA based one, whereas you've got more. No, options. no, no. They they okay. were released. Uh, Vortex um, is
3: probably pretty even.
1: Pretty, they're pretty balanced in they. They were released like the EBR 7C. They have an Emrad version, which is their latest reticle, so in yep. its dedicated sort of PRS sort of setup. They have an Emrad version and an MOA version.
2: Yeah. So Vortex are funny because they used to
1: hilarious. They,
2: they had no. Well, they actually used to issue the MOA version out first before the Emrad. Changed, yeah, that might have changed now, but that's what they used to be. So, you'd get something in MOA first up, especially the cheaper ones and the lower end ones. And then they started, yeah, when the when the MRADs became very popular, now they're coming out sort of at the same time, or if not sooner,
1: mm. yeah. yeah.
2: But if mm. you don't ever try and sell it second hand, though, like an MOA scope, they,
1: mm. and I've certainly seen that a lot of guys getting into PRS they know MOA, they stick with MOA, and then they they. They just, they get so into it that they just realise, no. Like, not that MRAD's better, but it's just so commonplace. There's not much. No one walks off going, oh, I held point, I held half a minute on that stage. I've not heard someone, someone's going to prove me wrong now, but I've not heard that coming off a stage. Um, oh, i got to get in there. So. <laughs> what do you right. hold up? Piss off, mate. <laughs> seven. Seven inches per hundred yards. Yeah. 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 I, yeah, I didn't miss. Seven. What does
0: it matter? <laughs> they yelled impact. That was someone else's station. <laughs> oh. Good
1: bribe. Good. It's, it's good not lonely myself. at the bottom, is it? <laughs> <laughs> oh, nice. Nice. So um, another myth that we could probably uh, jump into is, is tube size. And there is uh you you'll see tube sizes at a twenty-five, thirty, thirty. Sorry, for our
0: American listeners, that's a tube. A tube.
1: Thanks for thanks for doing I'm glad we've got you here. Isn't that's, that like a crisp? <laughs> Love tubes. Uh so 25 for one inch, 30, 34. We 30. call it a
0: tube. They might not know what we're talking good,
1: about. Good. Uh 35, 36, uh oh, or So Sorry, 40. Um, I think that's about all of them, but someone will invent something else. And these are the, the the sizes of the tube. And one of the uh, one of the myths that that can be true, or can be a myth, is that the the bigger the tube size, the more light it lets in. Now, some scenarios that is true. In other scenarios, that is not. It has nothing to do with the tube size itself. It has completely to do with the erector assembly. Does it not? I'd say it's
0: a, objective size would play a part in that. As but well. if it's a
1: larger erector assembly, it, it can actually allow more um, more lighting. So we, we're talking about, you know, you, you, when you buy your rings, you have to work out what tube size you have. And, and what that does is it allows more room internally to the scope. Now, some manufacturers on some scope lines will apply that to how much elevation adjustment or windage adjustment is available so that erector tube can actually move around within internally uh, in that scope more. So you can you can push it further. Some will actually l- increase the size of it so that you have the potential for more light to travel through to the back.
3: There's also the material properties as well. You make mm. it bigger, yeah, thicker walls.
1: Yes, or yeah, a absolutely. a scope
3: that could also double as a hammer. <laughs> in,
1: in you important. know,
3: you look at the, the Z-Comp optics, mm-hmm. uh, one that I had an opportunity to look through the other day. Oh, yeah. And uh, if it didn't cost me kidneys, I'd – I would take out all my rifles, and they're freaking fantastic. Yeah, not like, wrong. Yeah, Thirty six, um, aren't they? Thirty six. Yeah, and you know, there's some really sound logic behind that. You know, it's the space they needed to make it, all the stuff they needed to fit in there, fit. Yeah, and then also leave them with enough wall thickness, because if you don't have the wall thickness, you know, you're, you're prone to. Uh, I'm probably more prone because I break lots of things, but <laughs> okay. um, you know, it takes a small knock, and you now you know, bending and twisting, distorting, breaking things. Mm. Where that you know, bit of extra meat there doesn't hurt.
2: But I think the the issue used to be that people used to think, oh, it's a 34mm tube so the lenses inside are bigger. Yeah. And that's not the case.
1: Not always not the always. case. Sometimes, yeah. yeah. Yeah, I think that's
2: what you were alluding to before.
1: Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So tube size is is uh, you need more – just because it's a bigger tube doesn't mean it's going to be brighter or, or better clarity or anything on those lines. Uh, it could just mean it's got more elevation, or perhaps not. It really depends on uh, on the actual scope.
2: Yeah, so if you're going for if you're going for cost and you want clear, you're best off with a fixed power. Less lenses to look through. Pretty so,
1: uncommon these days, though.
2: Yeah, they no, they, I mean they still have them, sure. But um, that's the general rule of thumb, you know, because sure. you're looking through less lenses, so you can have the same coatings on that one as you can with something that's variable optic. And obviously, with the more lenses you're going to look through, the you know, the less light it's going to transmit, and everything else. Um, So that that's the general basis. And then, you know, again, like we said, the more you spend, and unfortunately, it's it's true fact, the more you spend, usually the better the glass.
1: As opposed to one of those wrong facts.
2: Well, listen to Bronte; he's got a couple (laughs) of those.
1: What was that rifle you bought
2: again? That's a club. That's not a rifle. We won't get into France. right? Anyway, (laughs) (laughs) moving on. Yeah. He can't remember. He's got so many that are just clubs.
3: Oh, no. Oh, no. There's one particular one. (laughs) Well, yeah, it did have a troubled history, but it's performed well since they replaced the action under warranty.
1: All right. All right. Very good. Well, guys, thanks for listening. A couple of things to uh, follow up on for this uh, this episode, uh, the Practical Shooting SA, um, which is our club, is holding its first full one-day shoot, the Steel Slam, on the 14th of September. So if you're in Adelaide or anywhere near Adelaide, come on down. If you're from Victoria, it's going to count for our state of origin. So, uh, actually so don't, don't attend. Don't bother rocking up. That would be even better. Is that um, the only
0: way we can win competitions in South Australia without having them. a opponent rocker? Well, that's
1: It doesn't that's hurt. That's it's going to be SA so. Well, we definitely got a game it our way. <laughs> Absolutely. Absolutely. Look, they would do the same to us. <laughs> no, they wouldn't. They will. They'll, they'll put the match on. They'd do worse.
3: <laughs> they wouldn't oh. tell us the match was on. Yeah. <laughs>
1: that would be good. I don't believe it. To all our
0: Victorian listeners, grow a mullet. <laughs> Bring back the state of origin. Sorry, all I can think of is state of origin footy when everyone had a mullet, when they used to play that.
1: I di- didn't you see on the fly it says mullets only? Yeah. Oh, I uh, thought that was top knots. Uh, <laughs> I believe it's a Malay. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and also, the code uh, earless works at uh, scoped out and projector warehouse for the uh, ear more M31 electronic hearing protection. And it actually works now, as opposed to if you tried from our uh, previous ni- 119, 120 episodes when it didn't work and it was meant to. And that's running through to the end of August. So, anyway, guys, uh, thanks very much for listening. And uh, we will catch you guys next time, I guess. <laughs>
0: Thanks for listening to the Precision Shooting Podcast. To continue the discussion, check out our Facebook page. And for more information, head to our website, www.precisionshootingpodcast.com.au. This episode was brought to you by Impact Dynamics, advanced training for the precision shooter.